Hello and welcome back to the Full Time Whistle podcast for episode 4. This week I'm delighted to be joined by current Kelty Hearts defender Thomas Scobie. Thomas talks about his terrific career to date, from coming through the academy at Falkirk under John Hughes, to five brilliant years at European chasing St Johnston. He discusses overcoming injury setbacks, spells with Dundee United and Partick Thistle, and also chats about the Kelty Hearts project under current gaffer Barry Ferguson, detailing both his and the club's ambitions for the future. So Thomas, thank you for coming on. It's much appreciated. How are you, how are you keeping just now about the football? Uh, okay, it's been uh, quite tough. Uh, obviously, not being able to go and work and go play football and my, my little girl being off school. <coughs> um, my missus is a carer, so she's been working non-stop pretty much since the, since the lockdown began. And obviously... She'll keep working away, so very mm-hmm. grateful to her for the work that she's doing and that. But you know, it's it is difficult, and I know there's people going through tough times and that now. But hopefully, the 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 light then the tunnel will be soon. Uh, before we get stuck into your career, I've got to ask you know about the current situation with Kelty Hearts, um, top of the league, and you know with the the sort of the the plans for um, league reconstruction and things like that, and it doesn't look like it's going to happen. Obviously. Doesn't look like you're going to get the chance to get promoted. What What are your sort of thoughts on that? Uh, first, firstly, disappointment. I mean, um, you know, we, we didn't want to win the league that way, but we felt that if the season had continued, we we, we felt we would have went on and won the league regardless of you know who we were playing, the games that we were going. But you know, the league decided that it was going to be uh, the decision was made that way, so we had to accept that. Um, and then once we accepted that, obviously the talk of reconstruction it kind of uh, got our hopes up and stuff like that. And we thought that you know it was a great opportunity. I mean, this this point in time, we, we've possibly had like six months to think about how we can restructure the game and make it better for the fans and you know and and for people in and about clubs instead of going and playing teams maybe four four times a season, you could change it up a wee bit and yeah. make it a bit more exciting. But it's not to be, and as I say, the, the owner and the, the, the backroom staff at Kelby are bitterly disappointed. They're still obviously fighting their corner, which was, which all the players are grateful for, because we feel that we've earned the opportunity throughout the season. I mean, it's been a long, hard season for the club. Um, so we feel that we deserve the opportunity to go and at least have a chance to get into the league. I mean, I'm, I'm, not, saying we're, I'm not saying we would go and do it, but to not have the opportunity with the playoffs being cancelled and then the reconstruction talks, and they're breaking down. It seems like it's like the rug's been snapped, been taken away between, uh, below our feet. So, I mean, all we can do is, is keep fighting our corner, keep asking questions, and, and see where it leads from. Leads on from there. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll come on to Kelly um, a little bit later on, but I, I just want to start with your early memories playing football. Um, did you grow up watching it? How did you get into first get into uh, playing football? Yeah, um, my downstairs neighbour was a guy called Stuart MacArthur. He was, uh, he was the best player in the village. I'm from a small village in Falkirk called Westwater. Um, it's literally just one one main road. So everybody everybody knew everybody. Um, mm-hmm. He was probably the best player in the, in the town when I was a young kid growing up and had you know, lots of teams after him. Your Rangers, Celtics, Hearts, Hibs, a few English clubs and that. So seeing him kind of play, you know, what made me want to go and play. I used to go and watch him play for a team called St. Genta. And, mm-hmm. and just watching things he could do. He was the one that really inspired me to, to really think about football. And obviously, growing up, 
uh, family were massive football fans. You know, I had one side of my family were massive Rangers fans. I had one side of my family were Falkirk fans. So, you know, I was always involved and around about football. So, at a very young age, I thought, yeah, this is what this is what I want to do. And you know, I went and played for Grangemouth Boys Club, um, and I had a, they had a guy around it called uh, Eddie Kilpatrick, who was brilliant for me. He looked after me really well down there, and 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 made me understand what it takes to be, you know, a professional footballer. And at a very young age, I was I was demanding of myself, and you know, and thankfully it worked out. Uh, I sort of, I sort of played through the West Lothian leagues, and Syngenta and Grangemouth were always the sort of clubs that were producing a lot, a lot of good players, along with uh, Hutchie Vale. Was that sort of how you got into into Falkirk, really, as as a youth? Yeah, I mean, as you, as you spoke about there, Syngenta. I think Syngenta had a big tie-in with Celtic Football Club and then you had Geerduck who had a tie-in with Rangers and Grangemouth. I played with a lot of boys in the youth that came from like Hutchie Vale and, and, and teams like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, there was always scouts coming. You know yourself, when you play for one of the good um, the good local clubs, you've always got people coming and watching. So, uh, Falkirk came along and watched me, you know, along with a, a, a few other clubs in Scotland and that. But, you know, when I was 12... Um, Ian McIntyre, who was the head of youth development, kind of said to me, "We want you to sign a." Back then, it was called an S forum. So, you know, well, well, you were at school and that you were you were signed up to Falkirk. I think I was twelve. I was like the youngest guy. I got to sign an S forum at Falkirk. So, you know, that was great. He pretty much said to me, "If I kept going the way I did right throughout my uh, my school, right up to the age of sixteen, then I would then I would come in full time and and stuff like that." So, yeah, it was brilliant. Were, were you always a defender? I was. A, I was actually a centre midfielder, and it was a coach called Richard Fox, um, who was at Falkirk. Who, to be fair, when I was younger, I had quite a big arse, eh? so he was kind of saying to me, "Maybe we should think about moving you into centre half." Um, and I didn't want to be a centre half. I used to be a centre mid, and I would hit all the free kicks and take the corners and stuff like that. But I moved to centre half and. and found that I really excelled there in my game. And you know, it's, it's, when I went into full time at Falkirk. Um, you know, learning for like see Yogi and Kevin James and Big Sharpie and that it was it was probably the best decision that's ever been made. So, uh, got Richard Fox to thank for that. So you made your Falkirk debut as an 18 year old. Um, the club were in the top flight at the time. Two one victory at Tannadice. Not not a bad debut. Uh, do you remember that? Yeah, that's that's wrong. Everybody well, that's, asked me that. Eh? Um, what was it? My debut was against Hamilton. The, the, the year that they won, Falkirk won the, the first division title. They'd already oh, won it, so I think I was, I was only six. Sorry? Even better. I know, it was brilliant. I mean, I was only 16, 17. So I kind of went into the, we had the porter cabins at Little Kers where the coaches used to sit and I kind of went in to speak to uh, Eddie May and Yogi used to have his team up on like the whiteboard and he would have his subs and that and I just happened to see my my kind of name on the sub bench when I was a young kid. So, you know, he shouted me through and says to me, have you got a suit? I says, no. He's like, you got a tie? I says, no. You got new shoes? I went, no. He's like, you better phone your mum and go to Matalan and get yourself kitted out and stuff like that. You're in the squad uh, tomorrow. So I was like, right on the phone to my mum. You know, she come and picked me up to me to Matalan and got me kitted out and like a suit that cost about, I don't know, probably 30 quid. A new pair of shoes and that and, and off I went and, and uh, went to Hamlin and you know, I spoke about it before, but Yogi wasn't even at the game for some reason. I think about watch a player. So I was like, this is the biggest day of my career and he's not even there watching, so chipper to the team. But I managed to play 15 minutes in front of Alan Kerman. 
it was brilliant for me. Uh, we got beat that game. We actually lost the last three games. And Yogi was a bit peeved because uh, we had won so many games that season. But the last three, when I was involved, we, uh, we never won a game. So he wasn't, he wasn't the two best pleased. But, I mean, to be fair, he looked after me. He made sure that I got uh, some of the bonus for the for the guys winning the league and stuff like that. He was brilliant at looking after kids with, uh, in terms of, like, if you're on appearance money and that. He would turn in. And if, if it was two minutes to go, he would turn to the young boys in the bench and say, who's on, who's on appearance money? And, you know, boys would put their hand up and he would say, right, get stripped to threes or gone on, just to, just so that they could get a wee bit extra money in their back pocket and stuff like that. So, it was great. Quality. I, I thought we were always good at bringing boys through, especially uh, during the time you were there at the club. Um, hopefully, hopefully this one's right as well. Um, first goal, was that in a 3-3 draw against Motherwell? Aye, aye, it was. It was weird that we were like, I think we were 2 nothing doing it at half-time. Um, and we, they had absolutely barred us, uh, I think Yogi read the riot act. And my mum was there, we were downstairs neighbour, Carlan. Um, and I just happened to pick it up about 20 yards out and decided to put my foot through it. And I think it might have been Graham Smith, it was in goals, and it went through his legs. Um, and then somehow we managed to end up 3-2 up, and I think it went 3 each, and it was like... But, I mean, the feeling you got for that, I mean, I don't think... I don't think any footballer could explain or you could reenact the feeling you get for your first senior goal, you know, especially as a young kid brought up in Falkirk to score for them. It was a, it was a big dream of mine and, and something I'm very proud of. Mm-hmm. So um, the club came seventh in the, in the first two seasons in the top flight. Um, it was a really solid squad there at the time. But you sort of delayed, you know, that, that's, when, that's when you're really establishing yourself in the first team. You're delighted with how things were going. Yeah. Delighted, and not only for myself, but to see, you know, <clears throat> a lot of other young guys coming through, Scott Arfield, Chris Mitchell, Mark Stewart, even guys that uh, Yogi brought to the club who were young, Patrick Craig, Stephen O'Donnell, Liam Craig. Um, there was a right emphasis on giving uh, youth kids an opportunity, not only youth kids coming through for Falkirk, but, you know, him and Chipper were great at going down south and picking up these players that, you know, that at a young age they wanted to come and play. I mean... Casper Schmeichel came. I, I think that would have had a big impact on his season, on his career. The fact that mm-hmm. he came at a young age and played. Uh, Tim Krul. We had a we had a guy come from Barcelona called Arnaud Riera. Um, and actually, in Pep Guardiola's in Pep Guardiola's book, he actually speaks about him because he was captain of the <clears throat> he was captain of the youth squad that had like Iniesta and Xavi and all that. And he was actual captain, uh, but he mm-hmm. found himself at Sunderland. Yogi managed to get him to come up and play for us just to, just as a, a kind of young age and that and I mean the, the spirit in there because you're young and you feel free I mean you, you go and play and you don't really worry about mistakes Yogi, Yogi and Chipper always says to you he doesn't care about you making mistakes if you try to do the right thing so boys went out feeling confident and it was a great time for the club So the, the 08-09 season um, the club got to the League Cup semi-final uh, beaten by Rangers and that and then obviously the Scottish Cup final um, you scored in the, the 2-0 semi-final win over Dunfermline. Uh, were you buzzing with that? Absolutely. Um, we had a tough season. That season, we were sitting bottom of the league. Um, so the Scottish Cup one kind of turned our mind off it a wee bit. And to go, I, I, I think I sold like 70 tickets to, 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 to a pub just up the road from my village called Burroughs and everybody wanted a ticket. So I had to go and order 70 and then try and get all the money and it was mayhem. But uh, everybody from the village came. Uh, one, because obviously it was a, a local lad going to a Scottish Cup final, but two, because it was potentially your biggest rival. So, Holyam actually scored the goal. Uh, it was a great feeling. I mean, 
it was a lucky goal that came off the shoulder, but you know, you'll take it and then see one of my best mates, Scotty Arfield, score the penalty just to seal the victory and was was a great experience and for Falkirk at that time, you know, seeing two young lads who came through the ranks to go on and score two goals in the in the Scottish Cup semi, it must have been it must have been a great thing for the club and for the fans and it's, it's something that still to this day the fans still speak to me about, they still remember that day and how happy they were and that and it was it was a great day for everyone. Definitely. Um that obviously brought you on to the final. Um you, you ran a, a very good Rangers side pretty close. Um, there was that natural novel screamer that unfortunately you you've lost one now. But um what, what were your memories of that day? It was rust it was rusting hot. I think it was about forty degrees pitch side. Uh, I remember coming off at half sorry. Oh sorry, I was just saying about and Chris Boyd had to come off at half time, I was about to say. I I was walking I was actually walking in the tunnel when the sweat was dripping off everybody and Boyd was like out of breath, needing oxygen. He's like, no, nah, I need to come off, I need to come off. It was just so hot and the humidity and that was was kind of something you, you didn't really experience unless you've you've played abroad. So um it was it was a very, very tough game, although I felt that we actually played really well against Strangers and probably should have won the game. I mean I spoke to um, I spoke to the gaffer at Kelly, Barry Ferguson, who played in that game. Mm-hmm. You know, and I kind I kind of wind him up a wee bit about saying how we had them on the ropes and this, that, and that. And all he comes back with was who got the cup. And, and to be fair, they did get the cup. You know, Nacho scored that goal that 100 times, 99 times out of 100, that, that doesn't even hit the target. Um, but we had chances. I think we had the post and we, we played really well and stuff like that. But again, it just wasn't meant to be there. You know, in all fairness, the Rangers had a right good team that day and, and and it showed kind of what great champions they were. I mean, they managed to see a result when, you know, things weren't going for them. But the experience as a whole was was brilliant and something that, you know, you learn from. And, you know, if you're ever in that, if you're ever in that kind of uh, environment again, you know how to handle it and stuff like that. So it's something that, you know, I look back on with immense pride. Even though we didn't win it, I mean, not everybody gets the opportunity to go to a, a Scottish Cup final, especially with your with a club that you've loved for so long, so it was it was a great day. Mm-hmm. So, um, personal level as well, you're doing brilliantly at the time. Um, Scotland under twenty one call ups. But what was it like to, to put on the, the blue jersey for your country? It was great. I mean, I think it's something that every kid aspires to do is go and play for the for the national side. So, to get the opportunity at quite a young age. Um, I think I stepped into the twenty ones and the nineteens and that that are at a youngish age, I think I was only 17, 18, and statement in the 19s, and then stem up to the 21s. It was, it was great for me on a on a on a, a learning process. I mean, you were going in there with Ross McCormack, Stephen Smith, Stephen Fletcher. You know, these guys were well established at their clubs and doing really well. So, to go in there and be involved with guys like that at that time, it was a it was an immense 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 pride. But not only for myself, I think at one point there was six Falkirk kids who were actually involved in this uh, in the Scotland setup for the nineteenth to twenty one. So I think it showed what a great achievement the club were doing and promoting the youth and giving them opportunities and, and it and it was brilliant for the Warriors. I, I think at the time I, I seem to remember there were uh, links with you with you moving uh, away from the club. Um did, did anything ever come about or was that all just sort of rumour? No, no, there was a few there was a few uh, discussions um Clubs down south, I'm sure, for you. Yeah, it was a hard one. I mean, 
you know, you get some phone calls and that. And I mean, I had a phone call f- uh, from a guy at Everton saying that they were really interested in that. Um, you know, I think Ian Holloway wanted me to go to Blackpool when they were uh, they had just been promoted to the Premiership as well. But you know, I think I'd signed a five-year contract at Falkirk. I was happy where I was. I was playing every week, and I thought, you know, if I go there at the age of eighteen, nineteen, you know, you can go down there and get lost in the in the in the mass of the mass of teams at the hub and stuff like that, you end up becoming like a bit part player or having to prove yourself all over again. So, mm. I mean, I was really happy where I was and, you know, myself and Scotty had signed five-year contracts, so we knew we were going to play every week and, you know, loved Yogi and working with Chipper and the boys that were there. So, it was nothing that kind of, it was nothing there to, to, to force me to say, right, I want to do this, I want to do that, because... You know, at that age, all you want to do is, is play football. And I mean, if you go to one of these clubs, say in the Championship or the Premiership, you're not guaranteed to play. So it wasn't. It just wasn't for me. So um, coming on to the following season, because of that run in the, the Scottish Cup, uh, Falkirk got themselves into Europe. Um, what was that experience like for you? Obviously, still still a relatively young guy at the time, playing in the in the Europa, well, UEFA Cup at the time, I think it was. Yeah, it was good. I mean, um, I found it difficult because I had had a, a, a groin problem that I couldn't really shake off for about 18 months. So I'd kept taking injections to just to play and and even like I couldn't train properly. So I was only training one day a week and then playing and then maybe having like a week off and then playing and then training one day. So, I mean, physically and that, you know, my body was at a stage where I just couldn't do it every day. I mean, I spoke before. Some days I couldn't. Some days I struggled to get out of my bed in the morning. I couldn't even lift the covers off my legs. It was it was so sore. So, you know, I knew going into the kind of games that I wasn't really at it. Although, you know, I worked hard. I worked as hard as I could, but I was carrying a bit of extra weight, and you know, I couldn't fully sprint or run properly. So these things were in the back of my mind. But again. You know, being there and playing there, you know, Falkirk's first game in Europe, it was a it was a great achievement for everyone. Fortunately, we, we played a right good side in Bedouz and, you know, we got a good result at home through Ryan Flynn, but the away game, they kind of showed their class and managed to beat us 2-0 quite convincingly, to be honest. But I'm sure it was a great experience, not only for the players and that, all the fans that kind of crossed and, and enjoyed it. So it was, a, it was a great achievement for everyone. John, John Hughes, I believe, left that season... Um... I gather that you've mentioned throughout this. Um, seemed to absolutely love him. Well, what was so good about Yogi? There was no airs or graces with Yogi. It was just a case of, you know, you spoke to him, he told you straight, he encouraged you to be better, he put demands on you that you needed at a young age. I mean, he got on at me every single day in training, every game. And I used to ask him, I was like, you know, why do you keep getting on at me? And he just says, it's because I expect, I expect you to be the best. So for me, that's what I kind of needed. He was also a guy as well. He knew when he put his arm around people. I mean, he knew. Like, listen, you get in football, you'll get guys who can who can take a rocket up the arse and, and you get guys who you need an arm around the shoulder and, and tell them that they're the best player in the world. I think Yogi, from a man management point of view, had that on point. He knew the guys that he could roll up. He knew the guys that he had to be a wee bit more lenient with. So for me, it was just, you know, especially at that young age, I mean, it was... It was everything for us. He just he made sure that you were looked after, where you were injured. I mean, he 
he put you in the team. I remember once he took me out of the team after I got my match against Dunfermline. He took me out for like six weeks when I was young and, you know, I was a bit angry at that. But he spoke to me and said, I'm doing it for your own good. I don't want to push you too much. I don't want people to expect too much of you. So he always had the best interest of you at his heart. And, I mean, if you look at the boys that came through underneath your game, went off, went on to play for other clubs and had other success, you could, you could write a list uh, uh, loads of players and I'm sure if you spoke to anybody that's worked with him would say the same I mean for me he was, he was a one-off he was, he was brilliant You mentioned a few injuries uh, that year as well um, the club obviously were relegated at the same time that must have been sort of, sort of, one, of one of the worst seasons you've had um, on a personal level as well Yeah definitely because you know at that time I was still struggling uh, with injuries so I felt like I couldn't contribute enough and being at the club for so long since age of 12, you always got to give your best. And you know, I, I tried to give my best, but you knew deep down inside that you were not 100% fit. So to see the club struggling and to go from the high of the season before, uh, uh, from the Scottish Cup final to, to then getting relegated in the last game of the season against Kilmarnock, it's like your, your total world comes shattering down. And you, know, you go away and reflect and you, you think to yourself, you know, did I do enough? Could I have done more? And and these were things that were going on, especially with the injury that I was carrying throughout, you know, the, the full year to 18 months. So it was definitely a wake-up call to me and, and, and I think it made me appreciate football even more and especially at the highest level that it's very unforgiving and that you always need to be, you know, 100% to, to make sure you stay there. Um, you, you spent two years in the first division uh, before moving on. That was under Stephen Presley. What, what was he like in comparison with John Hughes? To start off, to start off, it was it was like really difficult to work with. I mean, I don't know if you know uh, Elvis that well, but he kind of had it in his mind that it was his way and that's it. And if you didn't want to do it his way, you wouldn't be there. And everything was like regimented and stuff like that. So I think he struggled at the start because boys had been used to. I mean, a lot of the boys that were there had played Bioki for a number of years, so they knew the kind of the training that you'd done and the standards that were set and the freedom you could go and play. So I think at the start, he, he struggled a bit, but then uh, when he came back in the first division, I think his total outlook on football changed. And again, he was brilliant at bringing young kids through. He gave them a freedom to go and play. He put demands on them, but knowing a way where the demands were demoralising the players if they couldn't get there, he expected you to be at a standard. Uh, the young lads that came through loved it because they knew that at that point in time he was going to give you an opportunity. So, you know, the, the second part of his coaching was brilliant. I really enjoyed it. Um, and, and as I say, like that, you could see as well with the amount of boys that he brought through as well. So your, your, your Sibs, your Stephen Kingsley, your Murray Wallace, you know, all these players came through under Elvis and they went on to have great careers. So, you know, he done, he done all right. You mentioned there about the young players that were going to come on to guys like Sybil, you said there, Jay Fulton, people like that. Um, sort, sort of exciting times for, for the club in terms of that. Um, do you think you probably should have gone back up? We, we, we were good enough. Yeah, we were definitely good enough. But, you know, I think probably we needed just a wee tiny bit more experience. I think Ross County got promoted that year. So, you know, and they had, you know, guys that had that were really experienced, your Richie Britons and stuff like that. We were a young side that went out and we played attacking football and sometimes it went for us and sometimes it didn't. Um, but that's the way that, you know, the club's always kind of played. And it's the way I always wanted to play. I always wanted to play exciting football. So, you know, we had a, good, we had a great season. I mean, we beat Rangers 
three two in the cup. We got to the semi final against Celtic, which was a uh, which was another great day. And um, boys were picked up by teams. Murray Wallace went to Huddersfield. Cal Higginbottom went to Huddersfield. You know, so the club were doing something really good. It's just unfortunate that we couldn't just kick on a wee bit more and, and win the league. But fair play to, to County that season. Uh, you won the Challenge Cup that year as well, I believe. Um, that was in your final year with the club. Was was that a good way to end? Yeah, I mean, any kind of silverware you can you can pick up at a club. It's it's great because you can go through your full season not getting any chance or opportunity to go and win a cup. So, you know, with a bit of disappointment in missing out the Scottish Cup, once you get to another cup final, you feel like, you know, you, you want to give everything to get it. And, you know, that day, Big Dodds, managed to get the goal and it was a great atmosphere. Um, there was a few years, obviously, that year that knew we were leaving at the end of the season. You know, myself, uh, Farid, uh, I think Mark and Muller was leaving as well. So we knew this was the last kind of opportunity as a group that we would have to to achieve some silverware, so to cap it off and uh, and leave on that terms, it was great. Your final game for the club, um, I believe you were given the captain's armband and, and scored as well. Um, what was that like for you? Was it pretty emotional? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think all my family were there, my missus and that were there, so to have them all there and they'd been coming to games since I was 16 years old. Um, my last game, it was tough. You know, even sitting in the changing room before it, yeah, you're sitting there thinking of all the memories you've had, but all these emotions going through your your kind of system. Yeah, the boys were great. Wanted me to go out and captain the side, and they told me that when we if we got a penalty or an opportunity to score, they wanted me to hit it. So, you know, I did and managed to score, and and you know the send off we got, I got at the end with the stand the stand innovation and the and the guard on, we just just tapped it off, but. Very emotional days, not only for me, but for my family, because, you know, we had been part of the club for so long. And it was something new and something that I hadn't experienced before. So we were kind of going into un- uncharted territory. Um, but something that I was I was looking forward to. So um, just summing up your, your time at Falkirk, um, around 200 games for the club, how, how would you sort of look back on it all? Great memories. I mean, you know, I, I love the club. I still do love the club. I love the people at the club. To take a kid from uh, Westwater, who's quite a quite a rough area, and that, and, and mould them and bring them up and teach them not only how to be a professional footballer, but to be a good human being as well, and you know, and and be a good person. I'm I'm, I'm indebted to them for the rest of my life. I mean, they were they were brilliant for me, and the people at the club were brilliant for me, and you know, I still speak to people that are at the club but you know when I check scores after games I'll look for Falkirk to see how they're doing and to see them actually not doing so great the last couple of seasons it's it's definitely been uh, been tough for everybody at the club and for me as well you know being a fan as well it's been tough so hopefully uh, in the years to come they can get back to where I know they should be and I'm sure a lot of the Falkirk fans expect them to be and that's and that's pushing it up. So uh, the summer of 2012 um, you moved back to the top flight with St Johnston how did all that come about? There was a few clubs that came in. So St Johnston came in, um, Dundee United came in, and Ross County came in. And I didn't really fancy going all the way to Dingwall. So putting that kind of out of the equation. Um, I had obviously been with my missus for Edinburgh, and we kind of wanted to stay in Edinburgh. And uh, Dundee United Houston kind of came in and offered a contract, but he wanted me to go and stay in Dundee. What you know, I did, it wasn't really, it 
wasn't really so, you know, the best opportunity I had was to go to St John. They had, um, I'd met them, I'd went up and spoke to them, and Alec Berland had showed me about the place and stuff like that, and it just felt like the right place for me. So, you know, I, I chose to go there. In your first season, you maybe never never played as much as you'd probably like. Um, maybe an injury frustration, but um, it was amazing, though, as, as the club uh, finished third, I think, under Steve Lomas. Yeah, as I say, I didn't play much um, under Steve, which was disappointing because, you know, when I spoke to the club, they, they were desperate for me to go and I chose them over a few other clubs, so I thought I'd go there and get a, a right good crack at that playing. Um, you know, didn't always see eye to eye 100% with Steve at times on some of the things he'd done and, and what he said and that. And to be fair, um, Calum Davidson was still playing at left back and, to, and he was still playing really well. So it was tough to obviously first break into the team. Um, as you say, they were doing so well. Um, actually, the, the, I think the thing that killed me was um, my missus went into labour and we were playing Dundee United on the Saturday. It was the 1st of September and I was meant to be playing. Uh, but obviously my missus had went to labour in the hospital and I had Tommy phoning me asking me if she had gave birth and if I was going to make it on time. And, you know, I, I never obviously, because my week was boring. Um, but they won that game against Dundee United. I think they won something like 5 1, and then they went on like a 12 game unbeaten unbeaten streak. So I never really found myself playing for that kind of 12 weeks. So um, so I just kind of found myself, and, and to be fair, when you had been playing every week for Falkirk, to go somewhere where you aren't playing every week, you feel like, is this the, is this the place for me? So I tried to get out on loan, but mm-hmm. they wouldn't have let me go on loan. And then at the end of the season, I'd kind of made up my mind to my agent and said that I would like to leave and go somewhere else. But thankfully, Tommy kind of took over the job and phoned me and said that he wanted me at the club. I had a great relationship with, with Tommy, you know, even when he was assistant manager, he was brilliant. So um, I ended up staying and, and the rest is history. Yeah, you mentioned Tommy Wright coming in there, uh, Steve Lomas departs. Uh, after that third uh, in the league, you. You, you got into Europe, uh, more Europa League football for yourself. Um, knocked out Rosenberg, but, but you lost out to Minsk on penalties. Um, a, a really good run, but was it was it difficult to go out like that? Yeah, it was difficult. I mean, I think nobody expected us to get a result at all against Rosenberg. So to go there and beat them, I mean, with the budget they had compared to ours, it was it was you were in dreamland. And then obviously people think whoever you're going to play next, they hear the they hear the FC Minsk and think, oh. They're not going to be as good as Rosenberg. This will be easy for St. Johnston. And, and, and it's definitely not the case. I mean, all these teams that are in Europe are there for a reason. You know, you've got to, you've got to think about different experiences, different challenges. I mean, you go to some of these countries and, you know, it can be 40, 50 degrees or whatever, pick side and stuff like that. And the environment and the culture is different. Um, but to go out in penalties, it felt really disappointing because we knew we had played all right. We probably could have played better. But, uh, as you say, nobody wants to get beat on penalties, and unfortunately for us, it was. But you know, there was more seasons to come and, and more experiences for the boys to have. So it was time. So um, you got into the top six that season, um, League Cup semi final, and of course winning the Scottish Cup. Unfortunately, you you missed out through injury, I believe, uh, but you played in the earlier rounds. What what was it like having to sit to sit the, the cup final out? Um, it was probably the hardest game I've ever watched in my life. Um, my mum was there, um, my missus and my wee girl was there. 
And I was sat next to a good mate of mine, Murray Davidson, who had been at the club for a long period of time. And I felt really, really sorry for Murray because, you know, Murray's been through hell and back for that club. He's played through pain barriers. He's played with injuries. You know, the amount of stuff he'd done for the club, I thought, you know, how bad I'm feeling. I couldn't imagine how bad he was feeling. So the two of us kind of, um, we kind of just looked after each other. I mean, Tommy had phoned the two of us and asked us to come in and uh, um, and stay the night before in the hotel with the boys. And, you know, me and Murray spoke to each other and said that we didn't feel up to it. We didn't want to be there in case we were any kind of negative uh, influence on the boys. I mean, we were buzzing for the boys, but at the same time, you can imagine you've got all these feelings inside you that you're missing the opportunity of uh, uh, going and doing something for the club that's never been done before. So, you know, mm. me and Murray travelled to the game ourselves. We were family and we watched it. Mm. We were buzzing for the boys, but you always had that that thing deep down inside to where you were gutted but I mean once the final whistle went and we went back to the stadium and the drinks started flowing that kind of got flung out the window and everybody just enjoyed themselves for the next two days Brilliant so um, Europa League uh, for, for basically three seasons in a row under Tommy Wright the club sort of continually punching above their weight was it obviously a, a brilliant time to be at St Johnston Yeah it was and I mean I think the good thing with Tommy is he had a core group of players there that he knew he could trust and he would he would get 100% of them, of them every week. So you had Big Arm, Manison Goals, you had myself, Stephen Anderson, Fraser Wright, Dave McKay, uh, Chris Miller, Stephen McLean. There was a there was a good like core group there who knew that you know that we would run the dressing room to make sure it was properly run and that people were doing things right and there was standards set and if anybody got out of the line they got put back in their place. So... You know, in a way, I think he kind of he worked with that. And if you look at Tommy, to be fair, he's never been one where at the end of a season he's changed five, six, seven players. It's always been maybe adding one or two and one or two go. You know, he likes to keep a core group of players there that he can mm-hmm. trust. Um, and he certainly had that in us. I mean, we all we all stuck in with each other. We had we were great friends. We all worked absolutely as much as we can off the pitch. We set demands on each other, we, we had fights with each other, we made up, we had laughs. I mean, it was just a great change in it to be involved in. And and you, you, you struggle to find that a lot of times with clubs, you know. Sometimes you'll get wee, wee fractions and, and, and clubs where two or three guys will be away on their own and talking to each other and the rest of the boys are, are with each other. But at St. Johnston, it was never like that. We always made sure that everybody had the same common goal and, you know, if one player was lagging behind, somebody somebody would drag him forward and, and kick him on and make sure he was up to speed and stuff like that. So, you know, it was great. So it was, it was a really successful time for the club. Um, a lot of that down to Tommy Wright. He's obviously now left the club, but, but sort of how do you look back on your whole time at the club and where does, where does Tommy rank along with, with Yogi that you mentioned earlier has obviously played a big part in your career? Yeah, he's right up there. I mean, the thing with Tommy is, again, he was similar to Yogi, where you could go and speak to him. No, his aggressions, he would tell you exactly what he thought and, and stuff like that. So I had some great chats with him in his, in, his, uh, in his office. I mean, he used to come in every morning and play darts with me and the boys and, and have a laugh with us. It was a great relationship between everyone at the club. Um, the way he spoke, you know, before games and during games and stuff like that. He's, he's, he's quite articulate, he can get his point across. I think that's one of his main strengths is the way he comes across to his players. And he speaks really well. Boys really bought into what he wanted at the club. And as I say, we had a core group there who were 
totally invested in the club and, and totally invested in each other along with Tommy and you know Calm Davidson again I think that was a stroke of genius for Tommy to appoint him as assistant manager a lot of times you find when a a player can become assistant manager that you know it can go one of two ways either the players kind of don't like the things that he's doing but with Calm Calm was one of the best coaches I've ever worked with so he made sure that again everything was, was done properly and, and as you say I mean the, the times at St Johnston you know, I'll always be remembered through everyone that was at the club. You mentioned the European trips there. Some of the times we had um, on the European trips, not even the football side, but going out and having a few beers with the fans in Lucerne. And then, you know, thankfully I managed to score a winning penalty in one of the games. And these things these things stay with you and, and people get in touch all the time saying that they still remember that day and it was one of the best days they've had as a football fan. So it was a, it was a privilege to be there and it's a, a club that's very close to my heart. So yeah, you made the decision to leave St. Johnson in 2017, going to Dundee United. How did all that come about? Did you just feel it was the right time to leave the club? Yeah, there was there was a couple of things. I mean, we had gone out in the last three games and I hadn't sorted out my contract and there was talk about cutbacks and stuff like that. So Tommy had kind of said he was trying to get it sorted and then I remember playing. I think, I think it might have been Partick Thistle and I on a Saturday and I played really well and got man of the match and as soon as I came in Tommy was saying we need to get this done and I was like brilliant I want to stay at the club I'm enjoying it and so my agent was in on the Tuesday to speak to the club and then when I spoke to them you know they, they were making some cutbacks and they were cutting back on my wages and stuff like that and I just felt like a little bit underappreciated so you know I kind of challenged it and said you know I'm not happy with that I went back with an offer and I kind of went back and forth and then you never heard nothing for the club and Tommy was on the phone wanting me to stay and stuff like that. And To be fair, I never wanted to leave, but when you feel like you're a wee bit underappreciated, you think to yourself, you know, I'd given five years to the club, I'd, you know, run through a brick wall for Tommy and for the club and stuff like that. So yeah. to get a kind of offer that I did, you felt like it, it was a kind of punch in the gut. So I was out, um, I was out shopping with my missus in Livingston and my agent phoned and said, Dundee United want you to come in and see the place and do this and that. And I knew how big a club Dundee United were. So I just said to my agent, I'm, I don't need to see the place. I know, I know they've got a great training set up in uh, St Andrews. I know they're a massive club. Just, you know, get an offer on the table. And they put an offer to me that was that was a great offer. And I thought, right, I'm, I'm going to accept it. But I mean, you know, I, fair play to Tommy right up until even in the car, I was driving to Paradise to go sort of my deal. He was still on the phone and still trying to get me to sign and, and trying to get the club to give me more money and stuff like that. But the club, you know, they they had a, a kind of budget they were sticking to and, and, and that was their choice. And, you know, so I ended up signing for Dundee United. United had a, a very good squad that year. Um, ultimately, they missed, missed out on promotion. Um, I'm, I'm a Livingston fan, so I, I'll try not to, to go too much about the playoffs and things like oh, that. No, you're do you feel you maybe should have done better that year? Obviously, with the, with the squad you had, boys like Scott McDonald, Scott Fraser, had, had a very good side. Yeah, well, a great side. Um, unfortunately for me, I picked up an injury in one of the, the Challenge Cup games against Dundee where I tore, my, I tore my groin off the bone. So, you know, that was me. The, the, the doctor kind of hadn't seen anything like that before in football. So we were kind of like... For a week or two, we didn't really know what to do with it. We didn't know where we had to get surgery, where I didn't need surgery and stuff like that. And, and in all fairness to the doctor there, he was brilliant. He went away and studied himself on the injury and found some um, 
found some good stuff uh, from you wouldn't believe it, the NFL. They said that in the NFL it was quite common. Um, so we kind of spoke and he had said to me, you know, I think we don't need surgery, just leave it for like the 12 weeks and hopefully it'll come back stronger. Um, and to be fair, like eight weeks later, I was back involved. Um, can't remember who we were playing. I think it might have been Inverness. We were playing at Danadice and I had from Cambridge to come and watch. But I was on the bench and unfortunately we beat that game and that was the game that, you know, uh, Ray McKinnon um, got sacked. So that kind of flew everything up in the air because, I mean, he's the one that signs you. You're new to the club. You want to go there and impress him. Uh, I've worked hard in pre-season, but, you know, eight or nine games into the season, He's not there anymore and there's a big change. So it was difficult for the boys. But, I mean, I don't think the boys could have worked harder. You know, we've got ourselves in a position, as you say, with the with the playoff games and that. But ultimately, at the end of the day, we got beat by the better side. And that's something that you just have to accept. Um, Shabba Laszlo came in, I believe. Uh, what, what, was he, what was he like? It was totally different to anything I think any of the boys had experienced before. <clears throat> he had his own kind of take on how training should be, how... Pre-season should pre-season and we never done like one tough run. Everything was like forty-minute runs, thirty-minute runs, just kind of jogging around a pitch or going down the beach in the afternoon and doing a forty-minute run on the beach. So you weren't actually. I don't think any of the boys felt like they were getting fit, fit. Um, but I think that is just down to the culture and where he had coached before, where. You know, I think in other places you might have a longer period of time to get fit, but in Scotland you've only maybe got, say, with the Challenge Cup, you might only have three and a half, four weeks, so there wasn't mm-hmm. enough time to actually build up stuff that you wanted to do. So, you know, I think right away the boys the boys went into the games with a bit of trepidation and, and thinking they weren't as fit as they were and stuff like that. And, and as you say, they had different ideas that a lot of boys just didn't agree with as you say you've got a lot of boys there that are experienced you know myself Willow uh, Scott McDonald Paul Quinn there's boys there that have worked with some great coaches and been in the game a long time so for someone to come in and tell you pretty much that everything you'd been doing in your in your previous seasons and your previous coaches were wrong you kind of thought to yourself well maybe maybe it's actually maybe it's actually him that's wrong with, with some of the stuff that he's doing but you know we tried we worked hard um no, I just, I just don't think it gelled. You can, and you can get that at clubs. I mean, you, sometimes you got a manager come in and, you know, it just doesn't sit right with the boys. I mean, we were going in in the morning and, you know, they would come and say at 10 o'clock and every day we'd have a meeting. It would, make, it would say it would maybe be 10 minutes long, but it would turn into an hour and a half. And then you would then go over at the gym and do like an activation. Then you would come back over, you would get your boots on. So you'd be in since 9 o'clock, but you probably wouldn't start training until half past 12. And then you would go and train, and because everything was kind of at a slow pace, you didn't feel like you were getting uh, a right sweat up in that. And most most of the guys, you know, most Scottish guys want to go out and train, and they want the training to be tough. So when the training isn't tough, you know, you think to yourself, what's kind of going on here? And, and it just didn't work out for them. And, and you know, and I think it showed, obviously, in the later part of his spell at United that it wasn't working out, and, and it was probably the wrong decision for him to come in. Um, you know, I think he'd obviously done well at Hearts. Um, but at the point at Hearts, he had a team there that, you know, they had some big players who were getting some big money and they were on the ascendancy. Um, but he'd been away from Scottish football for a long time and, and it had evolved a bit. But I don't think he had kind of almost studied the Scottish game to see where it is in terms of, you know, how difficult it was, how challenging. I mean, no matter if you're playing 
in the Premiership or you're playing somebody at the bottom of the Championship, every game is, is tough. You can't go in there thinking that you're going to turn teams over. And I think he kind of, I think he kind of he felt that, you know, when we went and played teams that were sitting bottom of the Championship, he was expecting us to steamroll them five and six now, and and that's not always the case. So it was a tough time. Um, but again, you learn from it. You learn. Um, good things and bad things, you know, hopefully I'll be going to coaching soon. So you pick up things that you think, yep, yeah, I would do that again, I probably wouldn't do that, I would try that and stuff like that. So it was all a learning experience. So the the following season, um, you found yourself on loan at Park Thistle. Was was that just a case of maybe you you were wanting to get out of the club or, or was it, were you not really part of the plans or something like that? No, I wasn't, I, to be sure. I wasn't a part of the plans, um, but it was a weird one because, you know, Shaba was always like saying to players, I wish you trained like Scobie trained and I need you to play. And he would say, oh, you're playing on Saturday. And then when I go in on the Saturday, he would say, oh, you're not allowed to play and all this and that. I didn't, it, was, it was just a weird one. Eh? You didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know if he was telling the truth. I didn't know if he was lying. You could. It was hard to kind of much get a straight answer to my mum. I've always felt that the best times I've played and worked with coaches is when they're just honest with you. You know, I think I respect that as a player. You know, I think as a coach was honest with you and said you're not playing because of this, that and that, you can then say, okay, that's fine, I'll go and work on that. Or if he says that you're not in the plans because of this reason. But, you know, he never really gave me a specific reason. He just kind of said, no. Um, at times he would say, no, you're not in my plans. And at times he would say, oh, I really need you in that. So I felt like, at times, they were just kind of messing me about. So, um, we spoke to Partick Thistle in the summer about trying to get a a, a deal done for me to go there, um, just to pretty much sign there as a no-going loan. And they had offered to pay um, half my wages, and Dundee United were going to pay the other half. But Dundee United had said no. If I was leaving, they wanted it all paid. Um, and at that point, Partick couldn't afford to pay it all. So. You know, that kind of got put on the back burner. And then the very the night the transfer window was closing, I got phoned off um, the chief exec and says, you know, would you go on loan to Partick? And, you know, I thought about it and I phoned a couple of people that I'm close to and says, what do you think? And and they had kind of said, why don't you just go there and enjoy it? So I ended up, you know, half an hour before the transfer window shut, I signed on loan to Partick for six months. So, yeah, you said there it was, it was a six-month spell. Um, I think seven or eight games you played there. Was it was it just a case of not, not, not really working out or, or did you enjoy your time there? No, I loved my time there. Um, it was great. I mean, I went in. Uh, Archie was brilliant. I, I knew Archie a bit. I played against him. Um, obviously, like I hadn't played any games through pre-season for Dundee United, so it took me like maybe four or five weeks to get fit. Um, I'd picked up a bit of calf strain as well, so you know it took a little time to get in the team, and then I managed to play against Dunfermline, I think, um, my first game, and then a week or two later, unfortunately, Archie Archie was asked to leave, and and he did, and then you know um, it all changed. Um, Gary Caldwell came in. Uh, I tried to get myself up to fitness, back to fitness to play for the club, started playing and stuff like that, and. Um, I just got to a stage where at the end of the kind of phone that you know he made a decision that he was wanting to go in like a fresh direction and, and change a lot of players at the club um, because he felt like there were too many players there that had been there for a long time and he wanted to kind of bring in younger players and stuff like that. So 
I just kind of spoke to him and said, that's no problem. You know, thanks for everything you've done here for me. And thanks, you know, I phoned Jerry Britton and said, thanks for bringing me to the club. I mean, Partick were a great club. We have some great people at the club. And the fans were, were great with me. So I really enjoyed my time. That brought you to Brecon in uh, 2019, uh, the January 2019. You, you were loaned out again. Um, maybe, maybe you could just uh, step down for yourself. Brecon had just been relegated, I think, from the Championship. And obviously they were, they were relegated again, so it was a pretty tough time for the club. What, what was it like being there? Yeah, it was tough. Um, to be fair, the transfer window closed and you know we couldn't agree anything between myself and the club for me to go. Um, and at that point, I w- there was maybe five or six years we weren't training with the first team. We were training with the kids at, um, at Tannadice, where the first team trained at St Andrews. And then uh, sometimes we'd come in at three o'clock in the afternoon and train after the first team. So... You know, being based in Edinburgh, travelling to St Andrews at three o'clock, we've got a wee girl coming out of school, it was quite difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just kind of phoned and said, you know, we've done a deal for you to go to Brecon. And again, I phoned, say, Tommy, Tommy Wright, I phoned John Hughes because I knew that, you know, it was a wee bit of a step down for me, no offence to Brecon, but they just kind of says to me, why don't you go and enjoy it? Why don't you just go and play? Um, and to be fair, I enjoyed the boys that were there. It was a it was a difficult time for the club, you know. They're kind of been on that losing streak, and it's hard to really shake that off. Um, and obviously, it was it was it was kind of weird going for training every day, you know, training two times, stuff like that. Um, but again, you use it as experience. You learn from it. You go there, and you know you you look at things that were done at the club and things that weren't done, and you say, right, what could have been done better? What could what 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 did we do well and stuff like that. So, you know, it was a good time. So, um, just moving on to the present now, um, you, you moved to Kelly Hartsville and that spell with Dundee United. What, what, what was the thinking behind that? Um, you, you've got a, you've now got a job, I believe, at a kitwear company? No, well, in the summer, I had spoke to uh, an ex-teammate of mine and he had asked me to kind of hold off. He wanted me to go and play for him. Um, he was going to take over a club. And I'd said no problem. So uh, a few other clubs had phoned and, and and asked if I'd be interested, but my, my heart was set on deal, so I'd, I'd put everything off. Um, unfortunately, you know, six weeks down the line, that deal fell through, and then you're sitting there. Teams are back for pre-season. They've got their players there. You're making the phone calls back to the clubs, and there wasn't really nothing there at a at a level that I wanted to play at. So, you know, I. I I contemplated retiring, uh, even though I was only like 30, 31. Um, I just kind of thought to myself, I don't want to go and play for a club, say, part-time, that they've not really got any ambition. They just want to maybe sit fifth or sixth in the, te- in the table and stuff like that. So, I mean, I phone Yogi and says to him, listen, if you get a job soon, I'm ready to come and coach. And he had said, no problem, if that's what you really want to do. And then my agent phoned me and, says that Barry had phoned and convinced me that I should speak to him and, and go and see the place and that. And I, and I did. I agreed to speak to him. So I had a good chat with Barry for a good 30, 40 minutes on the phone and he outlined the ambition that he has, not only for the club, but you know for him as a coach and, and what the club were doing behind the scenes. So I, I went in and I, I really enjoyed that. I spoke to the owner, Dean McKenzie. He said that you know he put in, he showed me the plans that they have not only for this season but you know for kind of going forward and and everything was really progressive so it was good to be at a club and um, and I must say 
everyone that's associated with the club, from the players to the staff to the coaches, um, the owner Dean, who actually who, who gave me the job as well, working at the soccer shop direct. Um, they've been brilliant, and they're so they're so forward thinking and and wanting to progress the club. I felt like it was the right opportunity for me, especially at a time where, you know, at a time where I could have went and played another four or five years and just picked up a wee bit of money and not really not really worked hard and just played part time football. I felt at my age I wanted a challenge. I wanted to be part of something, and and that was the, that was the place to go, and and it's been brilliant so far. You're working under Barry Ferguson now. You mentioned there. What were your thoughts on him? Is he is he a good manager? He was obviously a terrific player. Do you think he can he can go to the top of management as well as he did as a player? Yeah, I do. I think he's taken his demands that he expected of his of himself from his playing days. Um, I remember playing against him, and you know the the standards that he set and that he expected of his teammates. He's taking that and he's coaching. I mean, he sets standards. Every time we show up to training, he expects everybody to be at it. Every game we play, he expects us to be ruthless and make sure that we're doing everything possible to win the game. He will give the boys everything that they need. I mean, we've got all the GPS stuff. We get food after games. We get the protein shakes. We get, you know, he takes us to gyms and, and saunas and steam rooms and everything. I mean, he makes sure that no stone's left unturned when he's looking after his boys. And all he asks for in return is that you give back everything that he's given you. So, I mean, he's gives you 100%. You know, when you've got that, uh, you always make sure that you, you want to go out and, and, and work 100% for him, uh, him and Bob. So I think there's a there's a great relationship there. I mean, a lot of the boys know that he's he, he's got high standards and he expects that. But what he's done is he's brought players to the club who he expects to to lead the boys and show the boys that um, that that we need to play at a certain level and we need to train at a certain level. And and he's been brilliant to work with. And again, on the kind of coaching side, I've had good chats with him about coaching because that's what I've I've got plans on doing in the future. And he's been brilliant with me. He's, he spoke to me about the things. He let me take a couple of things to do with the defenders and stuff like that. And no, he's been great, you know. And 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 listen, people might think that, you know, Barry has been played at the highest level and this, that, and that. You know, he's uh, he's came down to a level where he thinks that you know everyone's got to be given to him. It's it's not the case. I mean, he works harder than anybody I, I kind of know, especially at that level. I mean, every every training session he's there. Setting everything up, he looks at he looks at uh, games. He goes and watches games. He studies teams. You know, he, on a Saturday night after we've played, you know, he said to me numerous times that he sits down and he watches the game two or three times on a Saturday night. So I mean, for a guy that probably doesn't need to be there um, and and coach, I mean, in all honesty, he could probably go and do his TV stuff and and, and stuff like that. But he's got that burning ambition that. He, he wants to be successful as a coach, and I'm sure that he'll definitely do it, especially for the, the last five months that I've been with, been with, been with him and, and, and Bob as well. The two of them uh, are great together. They work, they work their socks off and try and do everything correctly and as professionally as you can. I mean, he runs the club as if it's a full-time club. That's what he expects of you. Even though you're part-time, you're still expected to show up, look after your diet, make sure your weight's there. Uh, work hard every day. We've got GPSs. He makes sure that they get checked. Um, whenever we're off, he sends us runs that we do to make sure that we're doing runs and stuff like that. He's he's brilliant. And as I say, I, I'm sure we'll go to the top sooner rather than later. 
you mentioned uh, earlier it was the sort of project that, that sold you on Kelty. Um, you, you've got boys that are absolutely flying in that division, boys that are, are probably League One, maybe League Two level, guys like Nathan Austin, Thomas Riley, Scott Linton. How, how far do you, think, do you think the club can go? I think they could go really far. I mean, I could see the club in a few years going all the way to the Championship. Um, obviously, it's going to be tough. I mean, everybody knows how hard it is in the leagues, but with the ambition that's there um, from not only the owner, but uh, everyone at the club. I mean, if you saw the infrastructure behind the plans that are in place to build a new stand, a new state-of-the-art stand, the changing rooms and executive boxes and stuff like that, I mean, they have, a, they have an overall plan. Um, it's just a case of getting the right players there. I mean, you spoke about some of the players that are at the club now who could play at a much higher level. Um, you missed out like uh, Michael Tidza, uh, Dylan Easton, mm-hmm. stuff like that. I mean, they've got some fantastic players. People think that people think that everybody's went to Kelty because they're throwing about all this uh, silly money and that. I can tell you now it's not the case. Yeah, there'll be two or three boys that might get paid a wee bit extra money, but that's what you have to do in any football club whether you're at the top of the game or, or you're in the Lowland League. People mm-hmm. are at Kelty because there's an ambition there. I mean, Tidzer phoned me um, when the offer came in because Tidzer had an offer from another club and I just sat and spoke to Tidzer for a good half hour and I said to him, listen, Tidzer, when I, I was at the same place as you and, I mean, Tidzer got offered more money at another club and I just kind of said to him, well, do you want to go somewhere where you're going to pick up some more money or do you want to come and be part of something that's got a bigger picture that's I mean they're not here just to sit in this league and, and play away they want to progress um, and there's big ambitions there for the club with the, the manager there at the minute with both uh, I don't see anybody really stopping Kelty I think the only people that could stop Kelty would be ourselves but we've got a grit and determination in the squad that you know we go out and, and, and we work that hard in training and work that hard in games that I can only see Kelty going forward and strides you mentioned in the future you're, you're looking to go into coaching, but I, I imagine you've, you've still got a few, few years in you uh, to go playing-wise. Um, but, but what are the ambitions sort of going forward the next few years and then maybe going into coaching and potentially management in the future? Yeah, no, I mean, I remember when I was like 19, 20, Yogi used to always say to me, about go and do your badges. Um and he used to, you know, I think I, I used to always ask questions about why we were doing sessions and looking at sessions. And, you know, if anybody ever saw me play, they would hear me pretty much telling everybody kind of what their job was on the pitch, making sure they're in the right positions and stuff like that. So I think I've got another few years of playing, but the end goal will obviously be to go into coaching and hopefully into management. And, you know, I sit at night and I do some stuff. I, I write out my sessions and, you know, I, I email people and, and Zoom chat people just to, just to speak to people that have been in the game, you know, if they strength and conditioning coaches to, you know, ex-teammates like Patrick Craig, who's over in Ireland, uh, coaching with Stephen O'Donnell. As I say, the gaffer's been brilliant with me. I, I speak to Yogi regularly to get an insight off him. So, you know, I'm trying to get as much information out of all these people as possible so that when I do eventually, you know, step into coaching, that I'm fully prepared and, and, and able to, to, first of all, you know, do well as a coach, but then move into management and, and, and look after a team and, and progress a team. Brilliant. Um, just, just to wrap up, uh, I like, always like to ask the guests that come on um, how they sort of look back on their career. Um, are, are you proud of your achievements and sort of how, how do you want to be remembered within the game when, when the full-time whistle signals the end to your career? Yeah, very proud. 
Um, if you'd have told me at the age of 15, 16, I'd go on to to do what I'd done in the game, um, I would have bit your hand off. Um, there's been some ups and downs along the way, some injuries, some very devastating moments in my career, some great highs, but I wouldn't change anything. I don't think I would change anything I've done in the game or, or changed any decision that I've made. Um, hopefully, you know, if you asked anybody that I'd played for the club, they would say that I'm an honest, hard-working player. I mean, listen, for any football player that's out there, I was never technically the best player at the club's. But probably what I was was one of the hardest working guys at the club. You know, I worked hard every day in training. Away from training, I worked hard in games. I worked hard. So I think that's fundamentally what uh, what you need to have as a player. And I think fans can see that. I think if fans can see you giving 100% every time you step on the pitch, a good game or bad, they'll appreciate the fact that um, you're giving 100% and that you, that you would do anything for the club. Every club that I've played for, every time I've stepped on the pitch, you know, the first and foremost, I say I will work as hard as I possibly can for 90, 95 minutes. Um, and I think the fans appreciated that. So hopefully that's what they think when they when they look back on my time at the clubs. Thomas, thank you very much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. No problem, Cam. Thank you, sir. I hope you stay safe as well. Big thanks to Thomas for coming on. Absolute top man. Really enjoyed that interview. Some Some very interesting stuff in there. And obviously some great insight into the life as a professional footballer. Really really show me as well in the, the whole Kelly Hearts project. And I think they'll certainly be a, a team to watch over the next few years. If you enjoyed the podcast, please uh, subscribe on the platform that you listened on. Whether that be Spotify, Apple, etc. And uh, give us a follow on Twitter as well. At the FT Whistle Pod. So you don't miss anything going forward. Got some exciting guests coming up over the next few weeks so um yes yeah, stay tuned and as thomas said there everyone stay safe and hope you enjoy the rest of your day thank you